the historical documents. Historical documents. <laughs> Welcome to the sixth episode of Cinema Decon, deconstructing and overthinking the movies of our younger years. My name is Steve, and on this podcast, we will revisit the movies that we keep in the back part of our minds as flawless masterpieces, untouchable by any criticism, and hopefully they stay that way. Join us as we rewatch a randomly selected movie from our list of 300 plus from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. With me on this journey is my co-host, whose only reward is that justice has been done. How are you tonight, Aaron? I'm doing good. I am still recovering from what has been a crazy busy week at work this past week, week and a half, actually. Uh, Barely had any time to squeeze in any movie time. Thankfully, uh, I was, hence why we're here today. So what we do here at CinemaDecon is rewatch an old movie with the hopes that they're still as good as we remember them. Then Steve and I meet up to talk about it, point out our high and low parts, and give it a rank and place on our mega list. Before we watch our Target movie, we first record our memories and recollections of it. Then we proceed to go and watch that movie. So far, our memories have been both perfect and completely wrong at the same time. Much as in life. That's very true. (laughs) Today's movie is the 1986 comedy Three Amigos, directed by John Landis, written by Steve Martin, Lorne Michaels, and Randy Newman. Starring Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Martin Short, and Cinema Decon Hall of Famer John Lovitz, in a quick cameo. Aaron, what are your recollections of the comedic masterpiece that is The Three Amigos? Oh, man. Um, I got to say, it was probably one of my favorites from that era, from a comedy perspective. I'm fairly certain this is the first time I actually saw uh, Martin Short. Uh, I've known, obviously, Steve Martin and Chevy Chase from several other things, but I'm guessing this is the first... Uh, movie I actually saw with Martin Short in it. Um, it is a wildly hilarious movie. I, I haven't watched it in a while, and I can probably watch close my eyes and get the majority of the movie correct in my head. Uh, I do remember a lot of the jokes flew over my head as a kid when I first watched it. Uh, so when I watched it later as an adult, and I was like, um. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's going to be a great movie. I'm glad we get to watch that next. This movie was played a lot in my household growing up. It was on HBO a lot. One of those HBO movies that you just kind of, it was always on and it got rented a lot as well to the point where, I mean, this is the first movie that I remember seeing all three of those guys. When we first met in Atlanta, this was one of those movies where we would just be having entire conversations, just quoting this movie. And Mm -hmm. we can probably still do that almost from memory. I also watched this last year, mid pandemic, one of those rewatches. And I can say from here that it does hold up. I had completely forgot the beginning where they're in the movie studio and you've got John Lovitz again. Oh, yeah. And uh, Phil Hartman at the beginning. <laughs> yes. Uh, just a couple of cameos that completely forget. Their little portrayal of, yeah, the, of silent, silent Hollywood, which was interesting. Because exactly. that's the first time I'd seen what that even might look like. I, I couldn't tell you how accurate it was, but it gave, gave a sense of what it, Hollywood might be might have been like in the silent era. Yeah, I was trying to get my kids to watch it last year and they had zero interest in it. You know, here's me just laughing to myself while my wife looks at me like I'm an idiot and uh, 
and my kids lose interest. They love the buttercup scene. Of course. Uh, but the rest of the movie, it wasn't really their cup of tea. What about the, uh, um, the singing animals at the campfire? Oh, they didn't get that far. get into that one. Uh, yeah, they, they didn't get that far. <laughs> Good night, Ned. But this movie's timeless. I don't think this one's ever going to get old. Good, wholesome humor that, that anyone, I think, can laugh at. I'm sure some anti-gun nut uh, not be happy with the amount of firearms in the movie. I mean, for God's sakes, they're using real bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us we will die like dogs. I can, I can quote that whole movie right now, I swear to God. Look up here. Look up here. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> I still do that from time to time. <laughs> look up here. Look up here. I still do the uh, gonna make it. Gonna make it? Gonna make it, gonna make it. Gonna make it? Didn't make it, didn't make it. And I, I've always loved, and this is not really a spoiler, everyone who's listening to this podcast has seen Three Amigos, but I just, I, I love the ending with, uh, I think it's Steve Martin, where he's like, I'll come back. And she looks at him and just goes, why? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> <laughs> what are you guys really good Probably at? my favorite. We can sew. We can sew. If <laughs> only we'd have known that sooner. Maybe we could take a walk and then you can kiss me in the veranda. No, no, lips will be fine. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, we will go out and watch The Three Amigos. <laughs> I fired up. We both fired up. <laughs> fired up. We crossed the Federales in the plains of Oaxaca. Together we burn the village. Burn the village. And uh, rape the horses. And we uh, rode off on the women. Rode off on the women. Who the hell are you? Another one of the goddamn gringos. Take this monkey away. Put him with the other Yankee maricon. What is happening around here today? Are gringos falling from the sky? Yes, And we're back. We have watched Three Amigos. Es amigos. And it was the best $3.75 I have ever spent. <laughs> you can't put a price on freedom it wasn't available to stream anywhere so i was able to find an old copy uh dvd on amazon for 375 and it, it got here within a day that's good service god imagine trying to do this podcast back when this movie came out <laughs> the hard part was finding the remote for the uh actual dvd player i haven't used it so long whoa you still use your you still use your dvd player <laughs> You mean you got to use your hands? There's going to be movies that we cover on this podcast that are going to be slogs. You know, they're going to be, you know, that was rough to watch. Not looking forward to reviewing it. Middle ground, you know, some above par ones. We've had a couple above par movies. We've had a couple, you know, okay ones. But uh, I think you might be with me that this one was an absolute joy. Yes, this movie is a national treasure. I loved it. From the moment 
that intro started and you've got all three of them on horseback singing their, their theme song is just a smile for the next hour and a half. The funny part about it was as soon as the music kicked off, I instantly remembered all the words. Every single word. I was singing. I sang along to every song in that in that show, including the twenty-one seconds of three. Uh, I'm not going to do all twenty-one seconds, but yes, I timed it. I was hoping you knew how long it was. I was curious. <laughs> oh, we yeah, we asked the hard-hitting questions here at Cinema Decon. It is them three singing, I believe, too. I don't. I don't know how they if they do <laughs> um, any tricks to actually. In some of them, definitely. Um, in. The campfire, I'm pretty sure it wasn't, if uh, except for maybe Martin Short. It was all three of them singing, but it was pre-recorded. It didn't because it sure it, it sure as hell didn't sound like Chevy Chase. Uh, Martin Short definitely, but I didn't think that was Chevy Chase. Steve Martin, who we have seen live play at Bonnaroo mm-hmm. with the Steep Canyon Rangers, great show. Kind of sad he didn't bring, whip out a banjo. I know it would have wouldn't have uh, worked well for this. Uh, genre but it would have been cool yeah but all, all songs co-written by or solely written the oracle written by randy newman uh and they're very non-randy newman-esque songs i mean i think of randy newman i think of toy story or major league mm-hmm. not old west <laughs> and so funny enough every time i think of randy newman i think of the family guy skit about randy <laughs> newman narrating <laughs> the most mundane things going to pick an apple Takes a bite, another <laughs> bite, looks at it for a second, another bite. <laughs> That's what I think of when I see Randy Newman's face. So, yeah, it, it, it shocked me to realize that Randy Newman was not only a writer but of the script, but a writer of all the songs. It's definitely not Randy Newman. At. Not to mention he's the singing bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. Um, I, tried, I tried getting a list. Of all the songs, <laughs> I was starting to write down all the songs they were going. One, it was going too fast, and two, they started talking over it. When I wanted to pay attention to that because that was funny as hell. The two that I remember are um, how, the, the two Camp Town Ladies. Well, Camp Town Ladies, blow the man down, and uh, yeah. around the mountain. You'll be coming around the mountain, blow the man down. The, the my body lies over the ocean. Oh, Bonnie, yeah, yeah. And, and then for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, those are the only four that I was able to get over the uh, chip, 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 chip. Danny! <laughs> I had subtitles on, so he actually says Nettie there. Nettie? Yeah. <laughs> I, would, I never knew that. I never even thought to put on subtitles. Probably a good idea. I'll, I'll go ahead and attempt the plot summary. A small Mexican town is being harassed by a Mexican warlord named El Guapo. And they need help. So after seeing a silent movie, this young lady contacts a group called the Three Amigos, who are actually actors. And they go to Mexico to defend this this town under the guise of putting on a show. And once they realize that it's all for real, then they have to find their courage to be their Three Amigos for real. Pretty much. Now, I got a rabbit hole one for you. What does that plot, what other movie does that plot line remind you of? And I, it's one of those things I never even thought about until I was watching this and actually trying to write my own plot summary. Well, first thing that comes to mind for me is A Bug's Life. I got two kids, so Pixar's, you know, always on. And uh, A Bug's Life is exactly this. Because of the kids. Sure. Always because of the kids. 
<laughs> I didn't cry, Coco. You did. <laughs> the one that came to mind for me was Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is literally, this is, this Galaxy Quest is Space Three Amigos. You're right. It absolutely is. And I'm fairly certain Galaxy Quest is on our list. Oh, oh yes, definitely. I wonder if there was an old Western uh, that's actually this exact plot line, you know, in a serious format, you know, more serious that just, you know, one of the, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of old West exactly. movies. Yeah. Spaghetti Western style. I, I wonder if there is. I don't know. But speaking on that point, one of the other interesting facts I learned was Alfonso Arau. I'm not sure I'm not pronouncing that correctly, but the actor that played El Wapo was also in a Mexican film titled Trace Amigo. He was literally in Three Amigos twice. <laughs> I don't know the plot of that film. I didn't get that far down the rabbit hole, but I thought that was kind of cool. I always love the little tidbit that uh, the guy that plays El Jefe, uh, yeah. I don't have his name handy in front of me, but he goes on. To, he has a, a, a long career, uh, but he actually plays the Secretary of State in the West Wing. Deputy Secretary of State. He's in the Situation Room many times. Yeah. Yeah, when we were, we were watching at one point, let me find out who all these people are, and it's like, it's Hitefe. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say we have a plethora of national security issues? <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the, this is definitely one of those movies that we, uh, that we have, I'm sure, both of us quoted random lines from this movie over and over again, multiple lines, in just r- normal conversation. Just anything from, just like I said, the, the plethora line, to well there's there's the plethora line there's 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 look up here <laughs> you guys <laughs> there's so many jokes that i didn't even catch you know un- until you actually watch it with a critical eye you know trying to pay attention <laughs> to each of everything i never once noticed the male plane joke which is a terrible joke but the way the three play it is great <laughs> oh yeah especially the fact that chevy doesn't get it dusty Chevy never gets it and just plays <laughs> along. That's one of those jokes that uh, when this came out, I didn't understand. 1986, I'm pretty sure I watched it that year. Yeah. I would have been eight years old. I'm fairly certain I asked my mom <laughs> what what the joke was in that, and she had to explain it to me. So, you know, awkward, but <laughs> <laughs> which she probably thought was not so hilarious, but still. Yeah, so so many. This whole movie is an hour and a half of of little little bits, little bits that they're doing. That at some point they have no place in the movie or the storyline, but they're just so damn hilarious that they they work all around. Mm-hmm. Just you know, little things like Martin Short talking about Dorothy Gish to a bunch of kids, <laughs> to a bunch of people who don't, who a probably don't understand English, or b have no idea. <laughs> Boy, you have got it. <laughs> so. Three Amigos starts off with uh, it's 1916 in Mexico, and uh, you've got you got a, a Mexican street with it's kind of nice having like old cars and people looking at these cars like they're out of place. It really it sets a good tone for the for the movie, especially for Carmen and uh, is that her brother? Is that Carmen's little brother? I I'm not entirely sure. I'm assuming so. Yeah, they're they're out of place in this bustling street and then out of mm-hmm. then they go into the cantina and they're they're way out of place. Yeah, and then they you do the typical trope cantina where the stranger walks in and all the calamity in the cantina just stop. Everybody turns around and looks at him for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole trope that 
happens all the time, uh, including just like the, the random gunfighter that's sitting outside the cantina, just twirling his revolver around. Did you catch the name of the cantina? No, I don't recall that. It's Cantina del Baracho, which roughly translates to Bar of the Drunk. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> that's one of those. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a nice little point there. I like it. This is uh, where they, they go into the bar, the cantina. They ask for help against El Guapo. Nobody helps them. El Guapo meaning the handsome. <laughs> Except for the one random guy that says that he's going to help help her as after everyone else laughs and goes back to all their talking and drinking. He basically uses it to try to take advantage of her. She fights him off and runs out. Typical American. Yeah. Uh, so then they leave and they go to a church, which I never noticed that they watched the silent movie in a church. I was going to say, I didn't notice it was a church either, but it, it was one of those aptly timed where the kid is like, we're, we're not going to find help here. And uh, Carmen says something to the effect of the Holy Mother will help us. And bing, the church bells ring. I made a note of that because it, it, it fit and it's so it's kind of divine mm-hmm. intervention for these guys. But it, it, I did think it was odd. Maybe I need to brush up on my history, but I didn't think it was odd that they would be showing a, a silent gunfighter movie in a church. It's probably the only place in town they could do that. It's just one of those things you never thought of. Uh, so they go in and uh, watch the silent movie. The silent movie was great. The first thing I could tell when that, whenever they did the close up of the amigos in their, in their black and white, they're wearing way too much makeup. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. The excess makeup, the overacting that, you know, the silent movie era people had to do. And they're, I don't know what it was like behind the scenes, but it looks like they're just having a ton of fun filming this mm-hmm. stuff. I think, I know there's like stories of they, the three guys kind of didn't get along, but it doesn't show. It looks like they're just having a blast. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things about their costumes are completely black with a lot of, bright white lace on it they wear red cummerbunds and red ties which they're silent black and white film stars the colors obviously aren't going to show up through the film so that's one of those things when black and white tv that they did a lot is they would use specific colors that wouldn't look good in real life in color but came out well in black and white film uh we saw that like doctor who for example Mm -hmm. uh and things like that where the colors in real life never match what they were, what they end up looking like in black and white, and I think that that adds to the overall effect of how out of place they look when they wear those costumes later, which I thought was pretty funny. Well, and then when we do see them in person in in just a few moments, where they're in, <laughs> they're in their costumes for amigos, 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 and they're oh my god, the the green jacket that Ned's wearing and the golfer's hat, I I want that. That's a Halloween costume. Those three in the Halloween costumes right there. That would be good. Mm-hmm. But first they have to send for help. So they go to the telegraph office and they, they create the, the great letter, which just gives us that, that wonderful line of uh, infamous. Yeah. They, they craft a really good, really concise 25 peso message to which they can't afford, um, which brings up a plot point of if they had saved for a couple more weeks, this whole issue might have been the, the entire movie may not have ever happened if they would have been able to get that real message out that one word is kind of the catalyst of the whole movie mm-hmm. <laughs> it means it all means, these things <laughs> it means it means all the things you said but completely not more than fame but yeah they can they contract that that message on uh and he sends it via telegraph via morse which then we cut to hollywood california where we meet 
the studio executives of uh what was the name of the studios? I didn't write that down. Uh I had that. Goldsmith Picture. Goldsmith. Goldsmith Pictures. Uh with Harry Flugelman, played by the wonderful Joe Montaigne. Yeah. I always forget about this scene with Joe Montaigne, Phil Hartman, and uh John Lovitz. And Phil Phil Hartman and John Lovitz playing the stereotypical yes man mm-hmm. to the Hollywood exec. I love the Phil Hartman just picking up the phone and immediately talking like it was a direct line to whomever he needed at the time. Yeah, pretty bold of the amigos to you know ask for wages. Yeah, so they start. Yeah, they, he starts uh, going through the discussions of how they were doing really good when they stuck to their original formula of the three wealthy Spanish landover, bleh, wealthy Spanish landowners. I almost said Land Rovers. Wealthy Spanish Land Rovers. Now, which which I movie. had no idea until this watching that that was they were supposed to be Spanish or wealthy Spanish landowners <laughs> who fight for the rights of peasants. Yeah. That I so never would. Ba- it's basically that. Robin Hood, and I yeah I remember the line, but I, it never hit me. Who I mean, maybe there just weren't that many actual Spanish actors in Hollywood in 1916. Plausible, <laughs> um, and they probably didn't care that they didn't look Spanish at the time. Yeah. Especially with all that makeup on, I mean, <laughs> Casper's riding upon horses there. <laughs> exactly. Also, three wealthy Spanish landowners in Spain speaking English. That was another thing that was odd. Was they're in Mexico? Everybody speaks English. The silent film is uh, title carded and everything in English. Luckily, all of El Guapo's henchmen also spoke English. They were all Everybody. very well educated. Of course. But yeah, so the three amigos, they are successful film actors, and they, they ask the studio for actual money rather than being paid in perks because they are traditionally paid in a place to live. They've got free food. They've got free clothes. And once they ask for actual money, Mr. Flugelman, Joe Montaigne, flips out. Kicks them, takes their clothes, kicks them off the yeah. lot. Like you're staying in the studio mansion, right? And dude didn't hesitate. It was just you know, you're like, my big yeah. money makers. You're fired. Yeah, he did. This is when Phil is up. The amigos are under the mansion. Like, like who was on the other end of that? Because it's like those and those clothes. Those those were provided by the studio, right? Like, yeah, that's from amigos, 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 or not not amigos, 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 but it was another one. And then he picks up the phone. He's like, take the amigos clothes. And then within one second, like six yeah. women come in and literally department. start undressing them <laughs> right in front of him. To anyone who uh, disagreed with our choice of John Lovitz as a Hall of Famer after Wedding Singer, I'd like to point out that we've only done six movies and he's been in three of them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just pull, uh, you know, A League of Their Own next. <laughs> Going for a streak there. John Lovitz is a national treasure. Absolutely. So so now the Amigos are homeless, penniless, and uh, mostly clothless, uh, and they get kicked out of the studio, and they don't know what's coming up next, but in show business, something always pops up. Telegram for the three Amigos. <laughs> Another trope. Yeah. We missed, we missed the first wonderful uh, uh, Chevy Chase joke, though, uh, while, they're, while they're standing there right before getting uh, de-mansioned de- and de-clothed. Joe Montaigne is like, boy, do you know what nada means? And they, both, <laughs> they all kind of sit there for a second, and then <laughs> Chevy Chase, dusty. John says, is that like a light chicken gravy? <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing. Zero. 
He also has that great line. I would like to continue to work for free, Mr. Flugelman. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of the, and the, see, that was one of the plot points that I never picked up. And some of my previous films that I never realized they weren't, were, they weren't getting paid. Yeah. I mean, most of the time throughout the decades, when I saw this movie, it always picked up, you know, they're, they're already in Santa Poco, this whole mm-hmm. uh, movie studio beginning. So we seem to miss. It's a good setup though. Yes. Yes, it is. They get the letter. They think they're being invited to put on a show with the great Mexican actor, El Guapo. Yeah. Who is more than famous, which leads to one of the, funniest parts of the movie <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah they have to they basically have to break in back into the studio into the wardrobe department and i i've always and this is again one of those quotes that i've used this many many times and most of the time it just doesn't land because not as many people are as cool yeah it's 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 an unknown joke that say, if you <laughs> if you always miss the beginning of the movie you miss this joke and it's great you've got steve martin up on the the wall of the studio trying to give them a signal that it's clear to climb over the wall. So you got yeah. Martin Short, Chevy Chase crouching in the they're, bushes. They're crouched Steve down Martin. and just looking around. He's been, woohoo. Yeah, he starts out really simple, like, oh, woohoo, woohoo. Hey, hey. Oh, look, look up here, here. Oh, look, look up here. And it goes on. He, goes, he gets really, really, really loud, and it keeps flashing back to those two who are completely oblivious. They're still... <laughs> Crouching, not even talking to each other, they're just looking around like they're still waiting. And finally, he <laughs> he goes in this long rant of just really loud bird calls, and finally gives up and just yells, "Hey, you guys!" <laughs> and he goes back to whispering. It's okay. So they finally get in the studio. There's a little little montage kind of of them putting on their uniforms, mm. and then they escape the studio. That's that's pretty standard. But then we get to Mexico. The the amigos roll into town. Uh, wait, first no no, no first we no, get the German we get the German yeah the German enters, enters the bar. Who's the first of our villains? Dun, kind of dun, dun. under yeah. villain. He's a he yeah he's a mini boss. Yeah, I mean, there you go. He's a mini boss. <laughs> so he's the pilot, and he's still wearing his little flight headdress thing. We never see him take that off. We never see his hair or anything. But he's got his goggles up. <laughs> Just goes straight to the bar and starts asking about how to find El Waffle. And of course, uh, the dumbass that tried to accost Carmen earlier tries to uh, annoy this guy, you know, with the whole, hey, where'd you get that pretty little gun line? Yeah. To which the German very quickly puts him in his place with a single shot, um, along with three other people, I believe. And he goes on to <coughs> make the, the uh, my fr- uh, some of my friends will be sh- showing up shortly. They are not as forgiving as I am. So please treat them with respect kind of thing. And, and I'd like to give a, a, a notice here to one of the best bartenders in cinematic history. He's only known as the bartender, but he's played by a guy named Fred Asparagus. But in every scene he's in, man, he steals it. Mm-hmm. If he's talking, he's stealing the scene. Because uh, that leads into, uh, I don't remember what he says to the, uh, to the German, but when he's dealing with uh, the Amigos, he's great. Mm-hmm. The, the German leaves, and then very shortly after, the Amigos walk in. Like, literally, right after he leaves, the, the Amigos walk in. Now, obviously, these aren't the friends. But we, we haven't met the other friends yet. But, yeah, right after the Amigos walk in, everybody sees them, and they're like, oh, shit. These they are assume them. they're the friends of the German, including the bartender, who's, uh, are you, you are the wink, wink. 
which of course they assume means you are the actor, famous Hollywood actors, right? But I do. Chevy Chase has another great line there. He looks all serious. He goes, "We're not Mexicans." <laughs> <laughs> Hi, we're, we're from out of town. <laughs> Can you tell us where the closest hotel is? <laughs> There's no hotel here. Damn it! I could kill someone. <laughs> everybody jumps. Everybody jumps back. Yeah, they order beer and they don't serve beer. They only serve tequila. Yeah. And Ned's like, "What's tequila? It's like beer." <laughs> to which they find out very quickly. Oh no! It's a nice little kick to it. Then we get introduced to our first dance number. Ah, uh, yeah, my second favorite song of the movie. Probably the more famous one. It comes out of nowhere. It is so just oddly placed that it's it's absurd and it works. Yes. It's, it's me trying to think when when would this have ever been in one of their movies in the first place? Let yeah. alone why the hell would they do this in real life? But yeah, he's uh, Lucky spots the piano over there and tells Dusty to go play it. Uh, Lucky and Ned jump right into the wonderful dance number of My Little Buttercup, complete with audience participation, which is great. <laughs> I always love that when they go back to the to the bartender at the end. You know, My Little My Buttercup. buttercup. I love you. Yeah, song's still in my head right now. <laughs> well, one thing that uh, kind of was weird to me is that, so they were told, they were given the message to stay here, wait for the German. Mm-hmm. Then once Buttercup's done, it shows them walking out. It's like, why did they leave? They were... It's a good point. They were told to stay. But yeah, I'm guessing, yeah, I'm guessing they, obviously, when he said the German says to wait here, they completely just didn't know what he was talking about, so probably just ignored it. Because they, uh, I don't know. That's the only thing I can think of. But yeah, this is this is about the time where they walk out and they see the uh, the, the bright red Tubman six hundred one plane. Tubman six hundred one uh, flyover, which is the German. Uh, first of all, uh, Ned recognizes the Tubman six hundred one because he flew one in when he was a child actor as Little Nettie Knickers uh, in Little Nettie Goes to War. I want to see Little Nettie Goes to War. I know, right? <laughs> But, but of all the past movies they mentioned, that's the one I want to see. Next up, the Amigos meet Carmen, and she is uh, going to lead them to the village of Santa Poco. I've got a, a couple notes here uh, as they travel there and enter the, the small town. I love the score of this film, just the background, Western music. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's wonderful. And, and I love the settings. And I had to find out, like, where is this film? I mean, was this just Hollywood backlot? Because, I mean, there's... There's times when it's obvious, small. Obvious, you know, like painted. Yeah, it's like yeah, the painted background in the sky. But then there's times Some where they've got a decent amount of you know the village and the street and then just uh, desert. Uh, it was actually filmed at old Tucson Film Studios where they've also filmed uh, Tombstone, Young Guns, Quick and the Dead, and Rio Bravo. Nice. It was filmed at a you know traditional Western filming location place. Very nice. They put some effort into it. Mm-hmm. And even even with the locations like on the in the title cards where it was obviously all painted backgrounds, and then when we get to the campfire scene, which obvious a painted yeah. painted sky background, it's very reminiscent of old Hollywood when they obviously couldn't have they didn't have CGI or anything. And it reminded me a lot of Wiley Coyote cart <laughs> with a coyote, exactly. <laughs> but we'll get to that. The amigos meet Carmen, and she's talking about okay, we'll take you to Santa Poco before they actually get going. That is when the real friends of the Germans show up, which are two other German, like German, you know, brothers. German individuals. Yeah. 
and they walk in and they're in nice white suits and hats and everything. So they obviously still don't stand out, but they look professional. And then as soon as they walk in, everybody in the bar is like, oh, hey, look at the two little CCs, to which they immediately regret. He had just opened fire. <laughs> oh, yeah. They just, he just, they just slaughter everybody on the balcony. Now that I think about it, for having only one scene of blood, which is Steve Martin later on, yeah. is a pretty high body count for this mm-hmm. movie. Since, as with a lot of Westerns, you know, one shot, one kill for every single bad guy. Mm-hmm. But not for the heroes. They, all, they always get crazy. So now we jump jump over to uh, Carmen and the, the kid, which I don't know if we ever got his name. I want to say Rodrigo, but I'd have to look that up. Yeah, if we did, I did not write it down. But Carmen's riding uh, in front, and Rodrigo is leading a single horse with all three amigos on it <laughs> in a Ned sandwich, <laughs> which is a running joke in the movie, as we'll see, as we'll see later. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they they're just... They're just holding on to each other like it's completely normal. They get into town, and uh, the townsfolk come out to meet him. Uh, the the town, I don't know if it would be their version of a mayor, or it, it was Carmen's father. Yeah, I think he's the he's the little tavern owner. Yeah, there. and he starts reading this speech and doesn't even get very far into it when Dusty just walks over out of out of and just grabs it and signs it <laughs> back to him. And the kid asks him, "Can I have your watch when you're dead?" <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot of very awkward scenes in there. That one, uh, when, they, when they're eating um, and everybody's just standing in the room staring at them eating, Dusty obviously can't figure out how to make a taco. <laughs> He's like, do you have anything besides Mexican food? <laughs> All those little, like, Chevy Chase was like the, the, the king of the little one-liner quip in this one, I will say. He was unhappy with the way his role was written. Uh, I guess he we didn't like that it was he was kind of written as a dunce, uh, the doofus <laughs> of the three. But it's but hilarious. It well. I mean, yeah, the way yeah. he delivers some of those lines, you can't really picture anybody other than Chevy Chase doing that. You mm-hmm. know, to to mess up a taco and then turn to a village of of local <laughs> Mexicans who made that food for him to say, "Do you have anything other than Mexican food?" You know, that only Chevy Chase can deliver that line. So then we flash the next morning where they're all sleeping in the same bed again. Single like bed. a it's a single bed, a tiny bed. All yeah. three of them in the same bed. This time it's a dusty sandwich. He's the one in the middle in the bed. The the next morning, as the the ladies of the village are doing their laundry, uh, you have three three banditos that are part of El Guapo's crew. They are in need of more tequila, so they decide to go and raid the town of Santa Poco, and they head in, and that's where the amigos are uh, awakened. And they're annoyed at first because uh, it looks like they want us to do a matinee. And there's only f- and there's only like three guys. They said they were going to be fifty. They better not try to sort us on money. You know, typical Hollywood money grubber. Yeah. So the amigos have to get ready and uh, head out and confront these three banditos uh, who are just asking for tequila. They just want some free tequila. Yeah. I mean, which they, which they do get uh, based off pure intimidation, but they do get their tequila. This is where we get the first Amigos uh, performance. So they ride out. They, <laughs> oh. they, they announce who they are. They do, the, they do a little three-man shimmy. Yeah, they, they do a little clapping. Back, background clapping. Yeah. <laughs> then they get on some horses, and they, they start giving the, the one-on-one dialogue 
from the silent movie earlier. Where, wherever there is injustice, you will find us. Wherever there is suffering, That's we'll be it. there. Line. <laughs> it's Ned forgets his oh, line. Oh, yeah, Ned, for, Ned forgets a line. <laughs> Dusty has to have, Whenever liberty is threatened, you will find the three amigos. And then they do their, their obvious typical. <laughs> Which the amigos doesn't come salute. over as well. Via audio, then they, yeah. Then they ride around the banditos on their horses, firing their firing their firing their blanks, just freaking the guy, freaking the three guys out, and they're like, "What? What should we do?" And they're like, "Let's uh, let's go tell the boss. Let's go tell Alapo what the hell's going on." Uh, I'm sure he wants to know. So they all leave, and everybody assumes, "Yeah, they frightened him away." Aha. Everyone is ecstatic. Uh, the they've chased off the banditos. They they throw a great big party, mm-hmm. fireworks, and uh, the, yeah, the mariachi threw, band. They threw together they threw together a lot of fireworks really quickly. That whole town was laced with you know the, like the spinny yeah. fireworks up on the poles and everything. The uh, the party starts out though with Martin Short doing his very awkward dance that he, yeah. he used to do very on Martin Short and dance. stuff. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no one can dance like other than that. That's that was great. Uh, Steve Martin doing lasso tricks, uh, which he does himself. Him doing him, yep, that was all him. Yeah, apparently he learned how to do lasso tricks uh, at, while working the magic shop as a Disney cast member as a teenager. Kind of a, a neat origin story for Steve Martin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dusty, however, uh, cannot play guitar. <laughs> He's just throwing away. <laughs> He can't. He can't sing very well either. At least that's in that such song. a great scene. <laughs> With the, the old, old lady, the old lady sitting next to him. At him. <laughs> <laughs> they, it, <laughs> they flash to him later, and uh, Dusty's talking to that girl, and she's, you know, uh, you have a girlfriend back in California, and uh, he's like, nah. He's like, uh, uh, you ever kiss a girl? It's like, yeah, sure. He's like, would you like to kiss me? Oh yeah. Oh, you mean now? <laughs> like, well, we could take a walk and you kiss me on the veranda. Oh no, lips will be fine. <laughs> Another one of those jokes that I didn't get as a kid. Didn't get it all. <laughs> that is just hilarious <laughs> now. <laughs> Again, another one of those little one-liners. And then we also get the aforementioned Ned talking to a whole group of kids, <laughs> regaling him, <laughs> regaling them with this story about how he met, I guess, screen legend Dorothy Gish. Is that a real person? I don't. I didn't look that up. I, I don't know. Uh, it's it's not a name I know. Dorothy Gish is a real actress. Oh, there you go. Born 1898, so she would Whoa. have been 20 years old at the time of this movie takes place. So this <laughs> it, it falls in line with him meeting her as in like his little Nettie movies. Yeah. She would have been about his his age, if not a little, if not a, like a little younger. So it it makes sense. Major movie stars in the silent era. Yeah. 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 So, but it's a, it's a story about meeting one of your heroes that the kids have zero, (laughs) no clue what he's talking about. Yeah. Nobody in this town understands that they are actors and entertainers. They think they're real. Yeah. Had anyone actually understood that anecdote from Ned, that would have blown the lid off of this. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) A little crossover moment. 
It's just these kids watching this silent movie going, the historical documents. Historical documents. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just recycle this entire script. It's going to be the same. Yeah. Well, and in my next note, right along with Galaxy Quest, as far as this, is so El Guapo is a great villain. Mm-hmm. And we don't, we don't even see him until halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. We only hear of him, and we see a couple of his underlings. And the first time we meet him, he's, it's, it's understated. These guys are telling, uh, they're, you know, they were shooting their pistolas in the air and they're just trying to uh, tell him about what they saw. And he's, he's in the middle of a photo shoot. Photo shoot. Yeah. is is standing over there in like, I like Arabian garb holding a sword up. He's just standing there (laughs) as still as possible for this old timey, like gun uh, powder flash camera that he has to stand really still for. (laughs) <laughs> and Wapo's paused that. <laughs> Listen to this story. They, they've, they've built up El Guapo to be this vicious and vile human, and here he is just taking taking a picture. Yeah, yeah. he turns out to be quite you know a mean person, but oh, still, yeah. it's, it's, it's. I mean, he's they build him up, and then they they subvert you with with what they show you, <laughs> and then add a whole ton of comedy on top of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it, he it's definitely a lot of comedy in there which kind of underscores how evil of a person he is. But yeah, he, he starts, you know, what should we do? Well, we'll take 50 men, go find him, open their stomachs, take out their intestines, and squeeze the shit out of them. I'm like, what the <laughs> hell? <laughs> that came out of left field. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it's, it's later, but I'll mention it now. It, it, was, it was a humbling moment when I find out that El Guapo is turning 40. <laughs> Yeah, I had that listed down too. Son of a bitch. <laughs> as you as you watch as a kid, like man, this guy just looks so older old. than dirt. You know, he's he's an old Mexican warlord that's just out to uh, to run these villages, and uh, then you realize, oh man, I'm 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 older. I'm than older than him. <laughs> but as far as the rest of his guys think, though, he's only turning thirty three. So that's true. That's true. Yeah, this is when they, uh, so we cut to the next day, which is when El Wapo and his 50 men show up, which puzzles and confuses the three amigos who are still sleeping in the same bed, in the same order. And, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the bells are ringing at like whatever, 6, 7 a.m. And it's freaking lucky out. And he gets up, he's in his nighty at the window. Like, and they're hungover. Looks like they want to, yeah. Looks like they want us to put on another performance. They're like, well, we better get paid again. Uh, Carmen runs out and he's like, "There, it's Elwafo himself is here. You need to come now. You must ride." And uh, Lucky's just like, "All right, we'll start getting ready." <laughs> they want an encore. <laughs> they they get out there. They ride up face to face with El Guapo, and Steve Martin whispers close, "It's a pleasure working with." Elwafo. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know what he does. He still doesn't know what's going on. He's now seeing the craziness that his guys were describing to him. And then they go into their little speech, you know, wherever there is injustice, where there was suffering. And then they ad lib a little bit. And he re- leans in. It's like, Dallas, we will die like dogs. You, you will die like dogs. No, we will not die like dogs. We will fight like lions for we are the three amigos. And, and then they commence to driving or riding in circles again. So at this one, is this the one where they're riding in circles around them, or are they just yeah. doing figure eights in front of them? Yeah, no, they're they're riding in circles around them, and th- this is when El Guapo 
goes to Hefe. He's like, I, I, I like, like these guys. guys. They, they are, are funny guys. guys. Just kill, kill one, one of them. them. <laughs> <laughs> another another line I've used many times, other than the just kill part. Yeah, the just kill one of them part would not go over well in any corporate meetings. <laughs> you, you think? Yeah, not, <laughs> not anymore. So, uh, so Hefe, you know, just points, shoots, takes down Steve Martin. Uh, they all think it's a horse accident. You know, they're like, they're, yeah. they're helping him up. They're you okay? You okay? Him up. They start tapping him in the arm. He's like, ow, <laughs> he's wounded. Yeah. Gets blood on his finger. You know, actual blood. He's like, wait a second. Marches up to Hefe, demands to see his gun. It's obviously still weird to Oapo, but he's like, eh, fuck it. Which I love the confidence in the villains. It just, yeah. I mean, he's, they're obviously still outnumbered. They're, they're humoring the Amigos at this point. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, Hefe hands him his gun. He spins it, opens it up. Ah, real bullets. You're in huge trouble, mister. And then he stares up at, at Hefe, and Hefe's just looking down on him. Has, hasn't moved a muscle. And that's when it clicks. Yep. It's like, oh, <laughs> here's your gun back, sir. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> he walks back over. It's like, yeah, this is uh, real. They're going to kill us. To which all three of them are, are standing there. They're, they're trying to be, be tough, but then they all start slowly. To which all three of them. They're, they're spending macho and they're all crying. Slowly, slowly break into tears. I don't want to die. I've already been shot. I've already been shot. What are we going to do? We're not going to get paid. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's an interesting reaction though to the the bullets mm-hmm. you know when when they you know you're in big trouble mister and that and chevy and martin short are like oh you know real bullets yeah. as if that has happened it's on a, a movie problem. shoot yeah yeah that, like it's actually <laughs> happened before on one of their movie shoots and they had to work around it and someone got mm-hmm. in trouble for it that's the that's the inference <laughs> that they're trying to make exactly exactly it's like god damn it not again but then he, yeah, when he sees that they're not budging, he's like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> so, so now they have to make a big apology to Aguapo. Yeah, and and that, this is where it, they explain to yeah. them and the whole town that they're just actors and entertainers; they're not real. So the amigos are, you know, they're they're shown as as the cowards they are, and they are forced to get on their horses and slowly ride out of town. And then Aguapo is basically takes a little revenge on the town for doing that uh, in the form of he sees Carmen stealing, stealing Carmen and leaving the town to in Hefe's control to which have they, they blow up the church, you know, they throw in the yeah. church, they throw in a bunch of buildings, just destroy the town. It sucks. It's a good move to show them, how, show the, the viewer how yeah. evil they are by blowing up a church. They didn't just blow up, you know, the tavern or something. They got to mm-hmm. blow up the church. But yeah, so it's it comes into like later that day or maybe the next day that they they come back into town basically to get their stuff so they can leave. To which this is when they find out you know there's there's nothing of yours here. Ilwapo's taken everything. To which Dusty again with the one line there's like see a small pair of cufflinks. <laughs> <laughs> well, they find out Ilwapo has taken Carmen too, and so as they're talking about what their next move is Ned, Ned draws a line in the sand and starts uh, putting literally. Yeah. Yeah. Literally draws a line in the sand, starts putting real bullets in his gun and, and, and points out the obvious that they have nothing to go back to. And this is their chance to be the real amigos. And it takes a second, but lucky 
jumps into the same bandwagon horse, pulls his gun out, spins it around, puts it back in, walks over. Dusty is not as convinced. He's like, damn it. All right, fine. He goes to do the, he puts his, he kind of puts his hats on reluctantly. And then as he reaches for his gun to do his little twirl, he shoots it through the holster. It ricochets off of and hits something. Well, well, let me ask you this. How did he already have real bullets in his gun? That's a good point. Yeah. Face the spoon. So now they've decided to uh, be the real amigos. They're going to find their way to El Guapo's compound. They're going to rescue Carmen and wing it, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> or more or less. So the ne- uh-huh. And then the next one we get to is the, the campfire scene, one of my favorites in the movie. So during the campfire scene, that's when they discussed uh, uh, what the, the directions they were given, which was across the yeah you go, Yeah, you go east through the desert until you come to the singing bush. Uh, each, each of us does the magic chant and fires one shot in the air to summon the invisible swordsman, and then he will show us the way to El Wapo, which is just ridiculous in his own right. Yeah, that... Oh, well, we'll get to this, this singing bush and invisible horseman in a minute. <laughs> I, yeah. I have thoughts. But the, 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 campfire, the campfire scene, this is, again, one of the ones where it's a obvious painted background. But it's, yeah, it's nice matte painting, looking. and then you got yeah. you know, some, some stray animals that come up and listen. Like, as they they very, a very nice rendition of a song called Blue Shadows. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's nice. It's a, it's a nice, you know, kind of a midpoint. Particularly when the horses join in as background. Boom, 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 boom. But yeah, you've got, like, when they start playing, like, the, the turtle comes out and starts bobbing his head. Bobbing the his head and the owl. Forth, the cactus. The, the horses are obviously the backup singer. There's, there's the wolf. There's the cougar. I mean, animals, I'm fairly certain, aren't even uh, around in that part of <laughs> Then Ned, oh, they each sing a verse, but then yeah, it's it's kind of interesting how they treat Ned like a little toddler, yeah, like like a little boy. Like He's all tuckered out, you know? yeah, yeah. And then they're all shocked when he sits up and starts singing, like oh, oh, mm. yeah. Even though he's a I performer like himself, that. it's kind of kind of weird. It was a, it's a very weird scene, but I but I love that scene. Yeah, and then and then they're all done, they're, and they do the little uh, you know good night uh, chant for everybody. Like good night, yeah. <laughs> good night, Lucky. Good night, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. And then the and then the, the tortoise. Good night, Ned. <laughs> I wonder who the voice of the tortoise was. Should have looked that up. That was probably Randy Newman too. Probably John Landis. <laughs> but yeah, then we get to the blistering sun scene <laughs> where they're mm-hmm. just they're going really slow on the horses and they're all tired out. Lucky tries to, they all stop and each go to their canteens. And Lucky's is empty. Ned's is completely full of sand. And Dusty's is completely full. He's just dumping it on his face. And then when he's done, he just throws it to the ground and it's still leaking out. <laughs> they're all, sta- they're both staring at him like, yeah. <laughs> and then he, he's still oblivious to this. And then as it's leaking on the ground, he reaches in, starts applying lip balm to his lips. And that's when he looks over. <laughs> sees that they're staring at him. He's like, oh, lip balm? <laughs> it's, it's such a great gag. It, and it always just baffled me as a kid. Why was Ned's canteen full of dirt? Mm-hmm. Well, well how, I mean, I, I, I understood that's a, the that's joke. a true total cartoon reference. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, why, why would he fill it with like, dirt? How in the hell? Because <laughs> that's how hot it is. 
<laughs> great, great acting on, on Chevy's side. Just nonchalant. <laughs> just chugging it down. <laughs> so the singing bush. <laughs> it's a wonderful scene. But it really, it, it comes out of nowhere. The singing bush and the invisible swords. This isn't oh, yeah. a fantasy movie. Oh, it's no. not sci-fi. It's not fantasy. This, there's no reason for a, a singing bush and a, an invisible swordsman to have anything to do with this plot. No, no, no. This is 100% comedic. It, it has no place in the plot line, but it, it is funny as hell. It is funny <laughs> as hell. I, and and I love it, but I, I am extremely curious how it got <laughs> written and at what point in the movie. Because, like, did they need to fill... We we gotta fill five minutes, guys. Let's you know, let's let's throw uh, something in here on their journey. Invisible sword. <laughs> I mean, it is one of the We're best taking... scenes in the movie. It, I mean, yeah. where, where they're doing the the singing bush is funny. Where they're talking to it, but with the <laughs> chance for the invisible horseman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wait, farty, 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 farty. And that, but my one of my favorite parts is they get to the singing bush. It's literally this bush swinging the train, just belting out, coming around the mountain, blow the man down. And then it's like, <laughs> it's why they walk over. It's like, excuse me, are you the singing bush? <laughs> really? <laughs> I look at him like, really? <laughs> then they go into the two chant, the three chants where Ned goes first with the chip chip one, and uh, then l- fires up. And then Lucky, they they pass. He passes the note pad over, and Lucky does the Farley, Farley, Farley one fires. And then they they both, and then they both walk over to the other side and turn around. And then I honestly don't know to this day what the hell Chevy Chase said. And neither did the subtitles. <laughs> the, the subtitles was was just like you know incoherent, like random gibberish. <laughs> it reminded me of him in. It reminded me of stuff he's said in other movies like spies like us caddyshack type thing so i'm yeah. pretty sure they just said hey ad lib something oh so most likely been, and then he fires and he he doesn't bother to fire up he just fires straight and then all of a sudden you hear this ah and then a <laughs> grounded indentation of a guy's body which is done very well for 86 yeah that's true yeah it looked good yeah. adding to the body count great you've killed the invisible swordsman this one, Ned. Ned picks yeah. up the invisible hand, drops it, and it makes another pop. <laughs> you were supposed to fire up. We both fired up. Which leads to one of the other quotes that I use all the time. Like, living with a six-year-old. Which I can agree with. <laughs> uh, and so that, so now, you know, they've, they've lost their whole, their, their only way they can find El Wapo. When the wonderful Tubman 601 shows up. Like, I'll bet it's going to El Wapo's. I really think that entire scene was thrown in for runtime and they just said, we need to come up with an idea. It's, it's yeah. gotta be, I mean, maybe you can stretch it to some sort of biblical allegory with like the bush yeah, and the journey. And, you know, they're on a mission from God, you know, there, there's maybe a stretch there, but otherwise it's just, we need to put our heads together, write a funny ass scene and fill out this journey. And it's not something that was just added later because they obviously had to have references to it from the campfire of why they're talking about how they need to get there. Well, but the campfire scene was, was obviously 
also a soundstage sort of thing with, uh, you know, the yeah, animals they could have gone back and added, but yeah, it, it was still funny. So now they're, they jump on their horses and they're basically following this plane in the direction of El Wapo. This is the point where we jump back to El Wapo's, I guess, fortress. Would be the it's compound. I, th- I think compound. it's an old mission. It's an old mission. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's a shot of Carmen uh, sitting in there to which like El Wapo's woman or wife, or we, and we never get that full detail, but his, his main part, part his of bottom, his harem, his, his bottom bitch, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> comes in, he's like, uh, and then she starts explaining that El Wapo is going to have you tonight. Carmen, do you know what foreplay is? And she just looks at her like, no, like, good. Neither does El Wapo. <laughs> <laughs> Again, joke flew right over my head as a kid. Now, totally makes sense. <laughs> but here we get El Guapo and Jefe having conversation about uh, his birthday party. How uh, El Guapo is turning 40 and Jefe has many gifts for him. The, El Guapo is only interested in one gift, which is uh, the guns from the German. But Jefe is, is very adamant that uh, he will love their gift and that they have a plethora of pinatas. To which, you know, he obviously goes into... Uh, calling out Hefe for not knowing what a plethora is, to which Hefe kind of calls him out of, you know, is this one of those times where you're really mad about something else and you're just taking <laughs> it out on me? A little psychology from Hefe. Yeah. <laughs> is it about Carmen? Kind of things. So he throws it at him. So, I mean, that was kind of ballsy on Hefe's part. I mean, he, obviously, he's, I would say Hefe is his best friend. He's still, yes. he's his right hand oh, man yeah. and he still answers to him, but by far his best friend. So he's, he's the one guy that can, talk to him like that yeah and this is where they talk about how carmen uh he can't just take carmen you know he goes to the speech he, you want the guns you just go take the guns you want a woman you just take the woman and he goes like no you can't just you can't just prune a flower in the desert the flower will bloom so when do you think carmen will open up his her flower tonight or i'll kill her I'll kill her <laughs> or i mean, kill her I wonder how many people of our generation know of the word plethora from this movie. Because this movie? I, yes. I, absolutely, I do. Yeah, I mean, same here. I never heard that movie before. I mean, even people who you know don't like the movie or, you know, you know obviously mm-hmm. people that don't have good taste. Just the, the fact that it's still in the lexicon of, of our, uh, our, our vocabulary uh, mm-hmm. solely because of this movie. Mm-hmm. The Amigos now are trying to infiltrate the compound of El Guapo. Uh, they're up on the mountain ridge with their great big black sombrero silhouettes. <laughs> yeah, very stealthy. Yeah, there's no way that they wouldn't normally besides, be seen. Yeah, besides the fact they're in the desert wearing black, I'm sure yeah. they're hot as balls already. <laughs> they, they're able to infiltrate the, the compound in a very comedic way. You've got a, a lone guard. Let me throw a rock and distract him. And distract him. Throw it <laughs> over there. Or he, he basically sit yeah. there trying to just describe the place he should throw it. And he ends up throwing it, just hitting the guard, knocking him out. He's like, "Oh, or that, or that works." But but even before that, as they're coming around the side of the mission, oh yes, yes, his yes, two, yes. Two, two guards are walking by, and they just freeze. They freeze <laughs> and walk on. So now every time I see something like that, it just reminds me of Drax from Avengers. Hey, yeah, there you go. I'm moving so slowly, my movements are so fast <laughs> that I become invisible to the naked eye. <laughs> <laughs> so now I know where they got that joke from. So the amigos climb to the to the upper side of the wall, and uh, they try to they try to all get inside the compound through swinging on the uh, 
the piano pinata lines. The pinata lines, I guess, yeah, for lack of yeah. better description. Or just cables that were used for him. You got so so Ned swings and his spurs get caught on the center pole. And he, so he's hanging yeah. there. He's just hanging there holding on. <laughs> You've got Chevy Chase swings. D- Dusty Bottom swings and f- goes all the way into where they're holding Carmen and falls and in goes into all the way into the closet. <laughs> yeah, and the door closes. <laughs> and uh, Steve Martin goes straight to the ground. <laughs> he just face plants. It's like, oop, wrong rope. <laughs> and, then, and then as he gets up, yeah, he gets up. Sees him. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. I have three demands. <laughs> one. And he starts listing about Number one, stop harassing the people of Santa Poco. And then number two, all the lands of Mexico should be equally redistributed amongst the people. Three separate legislative. He goes into this Democratic <laughs> Republic speech. And right as he's about to say number three, Alvo comes up and just starts choking him. And number three, return the girl Carmen and her. Yeah, so, so Steve Martin gets captured. He's put in irons in the basement in this contraption, which is... <laughs> Very James Bondish. It, it's 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 hilarious, hilarious and medieval, but yet very uh, impractical. As he gets out eventually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why would you even give the prisoner a way out? Uh, that I don't, I don't get. But he's he's strapped against the wall. He's got the chains on him, and if he can muster the strength to walk all the way to the mechanism holding the chains and hit the lever, they'll release. It, yeah, it releases the weights from the chain. But if he doesn't have the strength, it it springs him back to the wall with force. Which, which leads to another thing that I quote all the time. Gonna make it. Gonna make it. Gonna make it. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. Didn't make it. <laughs> but yeah, and they taunt him because they just throw the keys to the cups yeah. right there on the floor next to the mechanism. There's also the other one in there where he gets all the way. He's like, I, I made, made it. it. But he doesn't pull the lever. Or it's the wrong lever because he pulls the, the lever, lever, but it's the wrong one, and he just slams back. Ow! <laughs> and it look it looks like they pull him back hard. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming that's not a real brick wall, but while he's trying to escape that thing, Martin Short is just kind of hanging in there. <laughs> they, they they cut to he's, him now and yeah, then; he's just kind of hanging. <laughs> yeah, because by this time they're playing the mute. They're doing the little serenade down the steps and everything. Mark, they cut to Martin Short, and he's just like bobbing back bobbing and forth, and enjoying the music, watching the people dance. Because El Wapo's out dancing. Uh, they cut to Dusty. Yeah, Chevy Chase is still is in the wardrobe. Yeah, Carmen opens the wardrobe and surprises him. Yeah, so so she helps him escape uh, from the, the single guard who's asleep outside her room. Yeah, he can't even yeah. muster up the, the, the will to pistol whip, pistol whip the, the guard who's asleep. So Carmen, just sick and tired of his shit, walks over, grabs a gun, and smacks him. <laughs> so they put on his clothes. So he try, yeah, and he tries to, you know, sneak stealthily through, and gets corner, gets caught up by a another drunk guy who pulls him, of course, to the direct center of the the dinner celebration. Right as it goes to one of my favorite scenes, where uh, El Guapo, after after getting some gifts, he's got a nice sweater from Hefe and. And some guns, yeah. But he, he goes it's off to his men. He <laughs> goes off to his men, and he's like, he's "Like I know all of you. You and me, we, we, we did this." And, uh, uh, and then he goes to another guy, "You and me, we did this together." Then he gets finally to to Dusty. He's like, you, yeah, you, you and me, you, we, uh, uh, Jose. Yes, Jose. Together we pillage the village. 
Yeah, plundered the village and raped the horses and rode off on the women. (laughs) And pruned Pruned the the hedges of many small villages. (laughs) Who the hell are you? (laughs) When these gringos keep dropping from the sky? Yeah. And at that moment, Martin Short... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, hello. I love the dropping of Martin Short there, the the obvious dummy. I mean, it hits hard, like... (laughs) On his head, <laughs> and then he gets up like no. <laughs> before that, though, I will say one of the things I hadn't noticed before when they when they were doing the the present. So he's standing there, and that you know, Pepe brings him his present in front of him. El Wapo goes to stand up. The chair is stuck to him, like like the chair he was like sitting it, like in is his, like stuck to his like his ass. Like is too he, big. he became up stuck to him like this, and as he's unwrapping. Hefe reaches around and pulls the chair off him. And it's something I never noticed before. Oh. <laughs> that was hilarious. I didn't I never noticed that. And what is what is the, the downside of wearing your guns to the dinner table, I guess? That's true. So then next, uh, when their Martin Short is getting up, the German recognizes him ah. as Ned Niederlander, the, the fastest gun in, in film and one of his yeah. heroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he he idolized him, and he grew up learning all his moves, watching all his movies. He was inspired to learn the art of the quick draw. Yeah, and then he then he learned all about movie tricks, and was and he felt betrayed by this, and that no one could ever be that fast. Martin Short's like, no, I never used you know mo- movie trick. I never used trick photography. I am that fast. To which he's like, oh, he will see. And as you Americans say, he will pay for peace. Yeah, and you got a Hefe that walks Martin Short to his side of the duel. Gives him a big ass gun. He's yeah. like, you don't want to die with a sissy like gun a like this. And it gives Martin Short the gun and it goes straight to the ground. He, he almost falls over when he picks it up and tries to put it in the holster. Which is not a one note joke because no. when they do shoot, which Martin Short wins the duel, but when he shoots, it, the gun is so heavy and powerful, it sends him all the way back to the wall. Back. And the gun flies right up in the, the air, gun. and Steve Martin is standing there and catches it. <laughs> catches it, and it, and Steve, it's heavy for Steve Martin, too. But he gets a little bit better of a hit, because when he catches it, it like goes off. But that's when, it, yeah, Steve Martin shoots shoots a couple guys. Yeah, and Ned takes out uh, the German. Lucky kills one of the German friends. Uh, and then Dusty is the, as the... Younger friend, their shorter friend is about to fire back. Dusty grabs a knife from someone's boot and throws it and sticks his arm to the wall. And then they point the guns. They all point the guns at El Wapo. Yeah. So the the amigos have a a chance to you know make an escape. You know they've all got guns pointed at El Guapo, and no one wants to make a move because El Guapo will go down first. They all want to protect their Mm -hmm. leader. And El Wapo tells him, you know, go ahead, do what he says. And Carmen's outside with horses. So they're able yeah. to. It, take, it takes them entirely too. It takes two grown men entirely too long to open that gate. They're, yeah. they're kind of dizzy. <laughs> yeah, but pretty much El Guapo is probably thinking, you know, we're going to crush these guys regardless. We're a, we'll kill them. <laughs> so now we cut back to Santa Poco with they know El Guapo's coming. They need a plan. They need to do something and they have to kind of pep up the villagers as far as, you know, what can you do? Uh, Carmen's helping them. You know what? 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 What's? What's something this village can do really well? You can sew. You can sew. If only we'd have known that sooner. Only I know this earlier. <laughs> Which is the weird line. <laughs> <laughs> and it's important to point out that they they have all this time 
because they stole the Germans' plane in order to get to Stanapoco with plenty of time. This is true. Yeah, they do have time because they flew. And then, then he come with the crazy idea. was like, hey, do you remember what we did in the film Amigos, Amigos, Amigos? So you get a montage of everybody in town just sewing black fabric. Sewing. And that's all you get, including Ned, who's working one yeah, of the machines. Ned, Ned does some sewing. Ned even goes to the old lady. I have this quote here. So very old one. So like <laughs> the wind. <laughs> so then, then El Guapo and his men, they, they enter the town and... No one is to be seen. It's just quiet, it's empty. And then they start uh, getting fired at pot shots from the Amigos at random places. And it mm-hmm. is always Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, and Mark Short. As we're, yeah, it's all three of them. I have a note on that later. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I will say, uh, and then all of a sudden you, you get to the one scene where one guy's hiding behind a room shooting while the other two run in the building. And then the same thing. Two more run in the same building, <laughs> and then another one runs in the building, and it keeps going like this until finally the last person running in the building is Chevy Chase. The only time you ever see their faces, it's those, it's the three main guys. So you don't know what you don't know quite what's going on yet, and it, it basically a lot of the a lot of the henchmen and everything die, and then the majority of them are like, "Screw this, uh, we're out of here, El Wapo," and they leave. So it's pretty much El Wapo and Hefe left. He's like, "Go on, you cowards." Pepe turns around and is like, I'm still here, Aleppo. Bang. <laughs> to which he does the little cartoon. He falls off the horse, rolls over, stands all the way up, fires his gun in the air, and then she falls <laughs> forward. Like 100% cartoon death. I'm still with you, El Guapo. <laughs> and El Guapo uh, finally gets started with his horse. He finally gets shot. The shooting stops and the three amigos come out. And then a second later, that's when you see everyone else in the town dressed as mm-hmm. the amigos come out. And I will say, for a town that only is good at sewing, they sure have a hell of a lot of revolvers. Especially since they said earlier, we have no weapons. They said that mm-hmm. quoted line. <laughs> Slight issue there. But that's all right. That's all right. Uh, El Guapo is the last person alive for the, for the bad guys. And uh, he does get off one final shot to <laughs> right Steve, into, Steve Martin. Right foot. Foot. <laughs> that was a good trick, too. Uh, I would like to note that when all the remain uh, in all the scenes where they showed the montage of all the amigos while they're firing, they were all like you said. Every time you see them, they're always those three actors. They had the full suits and everything. Yep. When all the other uh, the fake amigos come out, you can tell you know they're just in the black. None of them have the tie. None of them have the red tie. None of them have the red cummerbund. They're just in black suits black hats and they have really cheap designs on them to make it look okay from afar. But in every mm-hmm. prior scene, every single one of them had the full like red, the big one that stood out to me was the red cover bed. Yeah. It, it was, it was a good kind of switcheroo, you know, try to, mm-hmm. you know, you knew what they were going for, but yeah, you saw only the amigos. Yeah. So the, the amigos and the citizens of Santa Poco win the day. Aguapo is defeated. Justice has been served. Now they all must say goodbye. Hmm. So we get a we get a scene of the villagers uh, with the three amigos. Well, first we got the the ladies have to say goodbye. Yeah, what did the well? There was the boy. Uh, well, the boy came up. You know, can I have your watch? Dusty your gives the boy his watch. Yeah, Dusty gives him his watch, which is kind of cool. Uh, and then uh, Dusty's woman, the you can kiss me on the veranda girl, comes up. Mm-hmm. Nice little kiss. Uh, Carmen has the little speech. Uh, lucky. I'll, I'll come back someday. Why? <laughs> 
Oh, you know, I just, well, I just, I just thought, yeah, we uh, could, you know, yeah, no. oh, okay. Oh, oh. <laughs> that was funny. And then Ned <laughs> seems to win the lottery in this department as, like, supermodel girl who, to my recollection, I had never seen in the movie prior to this scene. This this lady, she's billed as Hot Senorita. Yes. You know, in the credits. <laughs> has one line, you know, hasta luego, Ned. Yeah. That's, I'm pretty sure that's the only scene she was ever in. Uh, it, her name is her name is Re- Rebecca Underwood Ferrari Ferrari, and uh, Playboy Playmate of the Year June 1986. Way to go, Ned! But yeah, I'm fairly certain that was the her only scene in the movie. She it was yeah one of those. Where the hell did she come from? She was never in the movie until and now. Steve Martin, Chevy Chase just staring just looking, like what, looking what at her like hell? what the shit. <laughs> It, it, it wasn't like the pecs that uh, no, Chevy they, and Steve Martin got. No, on. it was a deep kiss. <laughs> and then the amigos ride off into the sunlight yeah. or sunset uh, to their their theme song. But not after refusing the money, just as they did in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot about the money. They did. They yep. did do that. Well, Martin Short wanted to, but then he just kind of yeah. looked at the other two guys and like, you know, our reward is that justice has been done. Yeah. And then, yeah, they ride off in the sunset and the amigos music. My, my thoughts on this is this was a wonderful 103 minutes of film. I mean, it, it flies fast, laugh a minute, small gags, amazing sets, great performances, wonderful score. And it, it is, to me, in my opinion of movie, just it, of a good comedy, it is hitting on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. I'm a little taken aback by the fantasy element. It's just, it's so out of, it's hilarious, but out of yes. place. Uh, and I'll agree. Yeah, it's like okay. You know, you roll with it because the movie is just so good, and the scene is just so good. I mean, put that scene in a fantasy movie, it'd still be great. It's just like, all right, okay. <laughs> yeah, it just has no place in this movie, and that's half the reason it's kind of funny. It's like, what the hell are they doing? It, it's not a bad departure, like like in uh, like in the Last Jedi, where they go on a whole side mission that means nothing, and it's like, what the hell? Yeah. Whereas you know, here, it's, it still serves a purpose to the plot. It's just a little bit off on the regular storyline that they were doing. But I, but I loved it. It's this, it was an amazing movie. Oh, yeah. This, this movie is one of those great like one-liner, one-liner movies and, and consist, consistent comedy. Great things. I can't think of any particular portion of this movie that I didn't like. Uh, even, and even as you said, like the fantasy portion of it that didn't mix, and it's one of those things that I just never thought about how it didn't mix. I just thought it was hilarious. Exactly. One thing I would mention as far as the two non-Amigo leads, more or less, but uh, Patricia Martinez, who played Carmen, you've seen her somewhere else. Do you know where? Um, I was actually planning on looking that up, and I can't, didn't get around to it. She was in Beetlejuice. You are right. I did look that up. She was the cheerleader, or no, she was the beauty no. queen, Miss Argentina beauty or queen. something, that had the yep. wrist. I did look that up, but I yep. looked that up. Earlier, I, I totally forgot about that. I forgot to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> she was the receptionist. Downstairs. <laughs> yeah. Until I had my little accident. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, Al- Alfonso Arau, uh, El Guapo, I don't know if I said that right. No, if I didn't, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he, I don't know if you've seen Coco, the Pixar movie. But I, I did not cry while watching. I promise. Uh, but he, he, he voiced Papa Julio in it. So it's a, a decent part there. So something... Something quite a bit recent that he has been in. I'll have to put that one on my list. I have not seen it. Oh, Coco is a great movie. I highly recommend it. Don't don't watch it if you uh, happen to have uh, a three year old who does not understand what the land of the dead means. Yeah, 
that that was a bit awkward, and uh, we didn't watch it again for a couple of years. But great movie, you know, nonetheless. All right, well, I'll put that one on the list. As far as does it hold up today? In my opinion, absolutely it does. It's just a, a comedic masterpiece. In, in the cultural sensitivity thing, there are some people I'm sure that would be. It, you say that it paints 1914 Mexico in a, in a poor light as far as some of the people, but I disagree. Uh, I, I think that this movie makes the Americans look really bad mm-hmm. uh, because the three amigos are idiots. <laughs> uh, the and the Americans that you see at, at the movie studio, they're money grubbing assholes. Mm-hmm. So you nowhere in this movie is an American painted in a in a good light. As I say, aside from the obvious Mexican bad guys, the rest of the Mexican citizens are perfectly are I would say yeah. portrayed in a very good light. And it, and it isn't the Americans save the day. The town saves themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so it's it's really there's a lot of comedic elements through it. You know, the bartender and, and other things. But even the American at the uh, cantina who you know tries to hit on Carmen, he's an asshole. Yeah. You know, exactly. so it's every single American is not. It, it's all played for laughs it, to the detriment of your traditional you know American dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would agree. I I think this movie totally holds up today. I could watch this over and over again. In fact, I might. Uh, if you were thinking about this movie uh, as being told from a from a different perspective, uh, what angle would you take? I put the bartender. <laughs> I would like to see a, a series of just like little web webisodes of just the random people coming <laughs> the random into, the bar. into the bar. <laughs> and just That's good. What leads up to him saying that, man, this, this job is too dangerous for me. <laughs> I just I love Fred Asparagus. He plays that role so wonderfully. I actually put down the uh, the ballad of El Wapo, the story of a local wealthy landowner who gets terrorized by culture stealing Americans. <laughs> culture <laughs> culture appropriation, right there. <laughs> First they kill his best friend, then they come after him. <laughs> yeah. Then they take his woman. <laughs> then, they come after him. then they come after him. They invade his home. They steal his woman. <laughs> <laughs> Now he's looking to get even. <laughs> uh, as far as who's this movie is for, I honestly would say pretty much anybody. As long as you can, as long as you're old enough to understand that, uh, you know, people can get shot and people can die. Obviously, yes. yeah. Uh, obviously, there is gun violence in this movie. There is one scene of blood, but it's, I mean, it was still PG 13, wasn't it? There's no bad. Yeah, really I mean, no I had language. no issue with my kids watching this movie. I mean, cause it was, it was just a straight comedy and it's all, all the, you know, the deaths are for laughs, you know, in a cartoony way, like you said, I, I wonder though, if this movie, this type of movie were made today, if it were, if it would be as much of a success as it was in the mid eighties, because not that there was a, an appetite for a comedy Western, then there's not really an appetite for a comedy Western. Now I know Adam Sandler had a recent one that apparently was a flop. The most recent one I can think of is like the Once Upon a Time in the West with. Uh, um, was that the Adam Sandler one? No, it was the guy from Family Guy. Uh, name blank. Oh, oh, Seth MacFarlane. Yes. But I think I think that flopped, too. Yeah, it didn't like, like there's, well. there's just no nobody really wants to see a Western these days. Uh, well, I, I think that back. I mean, there's a lot of great Westerns, uh, but there's but just in a in a comedy. Yeah, if you want a Western these days, it's got to be Westworld or like the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or, yeah, that kind of Western. I think that's the more gritty. I mean, there's been some ones recently with the uh, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. And 
310 to Yuma. Mm. Those aren't really recent. Like, now that I think about it, those are no. probably 10 years old. Uh, but those but like types Westworld, of, but those for are, example. Those are gritty. Westworld is probably the most recent Western mm-hmm. style, and Westworld's not even Western anymore. As far as recasting this or having a different version, my answer is no. Yeah, I mean, you can't. I, if they ever come out with a, we're remaking Three Amigos, I will boycott it till the day I die. This one, this one is sacred territory. Mm. Even even if I had a gun to my head, I couldn't think of anybody else, save for minor minor characters. Definitely not the main three. In order to do it, you'd have to do it like you said with 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 uh, Galaxy Quest. You know, in space, you have to do an entirely different movie. You know, with that that fake this actor. Concept. Yeah, concept. Which yeah, again, but, but to do they did to do a Galaxy beat for Quest. beat movie, I think would be a terrible idea. Mm. I'm glad it is sitting there as just a a, a moment in time. Who uh, who would you like to recommend for the Hall of Fame from the Three Amigos, Ooh. the Cinema Decon Hall of Fame? I have my mine in my mind, and I'm I, I don't I'm not, I don't know if we'll be able to budge on it. To me, from this one, uh, out of everybody in the movie, the, my favorite performance came from Chevy Chase with all the with all the one liners. However, I mean, this is I'm fairly certain this is the first time I ever saw Martin Short, and this movie made me fall in love with Martin Short. So I'm kind of on a fence between those two. My pick is Martin Short. And I'm absolutely okay with that because this movie made me fall in love with Martin Short. And I've seen so Same many here. other things because, because of this. I saw this before I discovered SCTV, mm-hmm. where I saw him doing like, the, like his uh, like Martin Glick uh, or yeah. other things. That guy with the, po- the, the oh, spike yeah, hair. The, the spike. Where he does that I, dance. You know, that's, you know, I saw this before Inner Space or anything else. So this was, this was Martin Short you know, immediately entering my memory as a legend. Absolutely. Mart- when I think of Martin Short, he will always be Ned. Little Neddy Kickers. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely uh, down for Martin Short. Uh, I know Chev- Chevy Chase is obviously going to have plenty other uh, options to jump into the Hall of Fame. And, and I want to say that Martin Short would pr- only have Interspace. I think that might be the only one. Too, yeah. He, he, was, he was more of a big TV I don't know if he was yeah. in too many movies. I know he's a side character in Father of the Bride, but those aren't on yeah. our list. Yeah. No, but from from yeah. in his acting prime is like pretty much inner space, which was definitely the second movie I saw him in. Uh, as far as a different type of version of this movie, I mean it's it's kind of a lighter musical already. Uh, I don't know if it'd work really as kind of a darker or grittier movie. No, I, I sat. This is yeah. where I say it. it don't, this don't change movie it at all. Is, is 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 perfect. About the only thing, the only way I could see it working for the genre is to actually make it a silent movie, make the entire thing a silent movie, which which would suck from a watching perspective, but it would still be kind of funny. <laughs> if I had to change anything, add a few more fantasy elements, just to even it out. Yeah, yeah, something towards the beginning. You know, maybe the whole mission we're on a mission from God sort of thing. <laughs> Give him some sunglasses. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're 106 miles from set to poke. <laughs> we got a half a canteen of water, six packs of cigarettes, three revolvers. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's right. Mount up. <laughs> it means get on your horses. Okay, let's well, we can move on here. So, so uh, yeah, I think we're up to ranking at this point. <laughs> now is the time on our show where we rank the movie based on our fan review, while also adding in the IMDb rating. 
This is a 10-point scale, and the average will be put in our mega list. Aaron, what's your ranking for The Three Amigos? So this movie holds a special place in my heart. It's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, I give this baby an 8.5. Well-deserved 8.5. What about you, sir? Uh, This movie also holds a very firm place in my heart. I almost want to give it a perfect score, but it is not a perfect movie. Not not, not by a long shot. Uh, But I I am going to have to agree with Aaron on an 8.5. It's exactly exactly where it should be. Mm. So what is the IMDB does not agree with us. And that's another thing when I was, uh, so IMDB has this at a 6.5. And this is another thing that I found when I was originally looking this up, I had a lot of review, basically a lot of review articles came up for it. And the majority of them were bad review, like Rotten Tomatoes type bad reviews. And I don't understand it. I, I didn't read the reviews. I just, it's their little news blurbs that give out like the first two sentences. And that's about all I read. I went, went through 10 of these and it basically made me realize that I don't agree with any of these people that are, are <laughs> reviewing these movies. It was ridiculous. How could anybody give this movie a bad review? I can understand not being an 8.5. Fine. 6.5 may be a little harsh to me. I could see. A seven as probably the lowest I'd go on this, but clearly not everybody has the taste that you and I have. But by our powers combined, final score of 7.83 repeating, which puts this at the top of our list as the number one movie. Bazinga. We have a new champion, the Belt Path, which is another uh, discussion we had earlier of how um, <laughs> we, we had some bad math a little earlier on our, on our list. Um, math is hard. Where we found out, yeah, math is really hard. That was a long time ago. You don't use math in real life anyway, right? Um, so we incorrectly tallied the total or the composite score for Independence Day. Um, and it was way. So Independence Day actually was our top movie, edging out uh, Wet Hot American Summer up until now, if, if I'm correct. Uh, it was a, what did you say, 7.6? Yes, 7.6. Um, so it was our top movie, uh, and it has now been dethroned. So we're sorry. You're welcome. So this is a segment where we talk about, uh, little, give a little pitch uh, to other things that we're watching at the time, uh, give a little shout-out. So, uh, for example, Steve, is there any, uh, any shows you're binge-watching now or any recent uh, off-table movies you've seen that you'd like to give a shout-out to? So I'd like to mention... A, a little-known sitcom that's available on Netflix called Kim's Convenience. Yeah, it's got five seasons, and season five is his last one, but it's, it's about a Korean store owner in Toronto. Uh, it's, it's half an hour long, and it's, it's absolutely hilarious. Uh, uh, you will know Mr. Kim, Aaron, by the uh, X-Wing pilot in The Mandalorian during one episode, uh, the Korean-looking guy with a beard. Yes, yes. That, okay, yeah, he plays Mr. Kim. About. He's the, the head of the, the Kim family, and it's just, it's a, it's a hilarious little family dynamic of, of running this convenience store. And uh, <clears throat> we're in the middle of season five right now, which is the final season. Uh, but it's worth noting that the son in it, um, the son uh, is uh, played by uh, Simu Liu. And if I butcher that name, I'm sorry. But he is going on uh, to be the lead in the new Marvel 
movie. Um, like Ten Rings. Shang Chi. Yeah. Shang Chi. Yeah. He's play, okay. he's playing the lead in that. Nice. So I I didn't realize that, and then I uh, saw a poster for it online the other day. It's like, oh man, that's that's Jung from Kim's Convenience, the store that I or the, the movie. Yeah. The sitcom that I'm watching right now. It's hilarious. There's only like 13 episodes a season and uh, quite funny. Highly recommend. Nice. So one of the ones that I've picked up lately is a little, probably a little more known to a lot of people. Uh, it is the latest Marvel show uh, that just launched on Wednesday of last week, which is Loki. So Loki is the third of the Marvel MCU uh, TV series to, hit, to drop on Disney+. Plus. It follows for anybody that... It, it basically picks up from the last Avengers movie timeline wise, and also uh, meshes into the first Avengers movie timeline wise. And we basically get to see what Loki has been up to since I guess both of these movies, there's wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff going on in there. It it basically has to do with the Loki gets caught escaping using uh, uh, escaping a timeline and gets caught by the time variance authority, basically the time police. And has to uh, has to uh, work off his sentence by helping them out on cases. <laughs> it, it sounds weird when I say it out loud, but the two episodes that I've seen have jumped it to the top of it jumped it ahead of one of his my favorite favorite nice. Marvel show. It's yeah. it, it started off funny and it got real after that second episode. So I can't yeah. wait for. For episode three, I would yeah, highly recommend. Yeah, I've seen the trailers. Uh, yeah, we'll wait for for all of them to post before mm-hmm. we, we like to binge That's it all at once. It's another one of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if I had the time, uh, I would definitely binge them all because I've rebinged One Division mm-hmm. uh, and and Falcon. Falcon and Winter Soldier both, and they're more fun to binge. But man, yeah, I can't wait that long. All right, should we uh, should we spin? I think it's time to spin that wheel. All right, three, two, one. Here we go. Three nineteen. We're staying near the end of it. Ooh, what do we got? The Kevin Bacon classic, Tremors. <laughs> yes, this is a fun movie for me when I was growing up. I have very vague recollections of this, you know, and, and just like <laughs> the, the the guy from Family Ties, and I, yeah. I'm drawing a blank. Um, the guy that was uh, Reba McIntyre's husband, the the gun nut. That's yeah, that's yeah, that's the dad. That's family, family ties. ties. Okay, yeah, I haven't seen family ties in so long. Bert, I just remember him as Bert, and I remember Reba, Reba McIntyre, the saucy redhead, the saucy gun that redhead. We didn't have Christine Taylor in it, so I gotta gotta keep up with someone. All right, well that's all for this episode. Thank you for listening, and we hope you stay with us through this little experiment. What did you think of Three Amigos? Let us know on our socials and we'll be sure to tell you how wrong you are. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Check out our website in the show notes to see the full list of movies we'll be covering in our rankings thus far. You can also visit us on our Patreon where we'll try to post some outtakes before the final cut. We'll see you next time on on Cinema Decon.
This whole music brought to you by alcohol. <laughs>